Hello from the members of Royce City Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you're blessed by this message today. You're invited to join us for worship anytime. You can learn more about our worship options, locations, and how to get plugged into the life of our church by visiting our website, RoyceCityMethodist.life. Today, we hear from our senior pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. So I, I, I will make an apology to all you Mandalorian fans out there for uh, the sermon title. I, I, I'm not planning on preaching on the Mandalorian today. So um, the, for those of you who know, you know, this is the way. That is the, the creed of the Mandalorians. Richard, Richard has been, been getting me all week since he saw the title of the sermon going, I can't wait to hear what you're going to say about the Mandalorians. Is it? No, we're not. No, no, this is not a Mandalorian text. This is uh, a scripture from what, what God has given to God's people. Although there are some things that we could say about the Mandalorian that, that kind of reminds us of what it is to, to walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ. The, 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 this is the way, that is a creed that, that we know that they would say, and, and they would echo that one another saying, this is the way that we live our lives. We have our own creed. We have our own way of living, and that is through the gift of Scripture. And our Scripture for today comes from Isaiah chapter 30, verses 19 through 21. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles or we'll have the words on the screen for you to follow along as well. Hear the word of the Lord. Isaiah writes, people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the waters of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more, and with your own eyes you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or you turn to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. This is the way. Walk in it. These words are given to the Israelites by Isaiah during a, a tumultuous time in their existence. But we have to be real here. When wasn't there a tumultuous time in the Israelites' existence? It seems like throughout the entire Old Testament, we see this, this cycle, if you will, repeat over and over and over again. There is a teacher by the name of Sandy Richter who uh, wrote a series of studies called The Epic of Eden. And in this Epic of Eden series, she talks about this, this cycle that the Israelites got themselves into. And I got a picture for you to look at of what this cycle looks like. It, it starts out there at the top with obedience. That, that's, that's where we all desire to be. We all desire to be in obedience to God. And the Israelites, they had that down. 
they, they were able to be obedient to God and, and do the things that, that they were called to do. But then it shifted to the disobedience to the covenant or basically the disobedience to the promises that God had, had given the Israelite people. And then from when that happened, then foreign oppression came in, either from the Babylonians or the Assyrians or other, other groups that came in to, to, to capture and to uh, overrun the people of Israel and take over their land. And because of this foreign oppression, what comes next? A, a cry out for repentance a cry out for a deliverer to come and rescue them from, from the, the torture and, and from the people who have overtaken them. And then a deliverer comes, either in the form of a judge or in the form of a king. They would come and, and, and get things straightened out and get things right again. And then a military victory would follow that, followed by obedience. That cycle, if you are familiar with the book of Judges, you see that cycle play over and over again with, with a reminder, the saying that the people did what they thought was right in their own eyes and not what it was that God had called them to do. Well, in this particular moment in Isaiah, this has happened again. The people have, have failed to be obedient to the covenant that God had given them, and, and there is oppression that is on the way. And, and, and they realize that they need repent, they, 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 their repentance and they need a deliverer, but the Israelites, they're looking for a different way for repentance. And they're looking for a different place for a deliverer, and they decide to, to look towards Egypt for their help. In the beginning of Isaiah chapter 30, we see Isaiah warning them of the dangers of going back down the road to follow Egypt for their help. It's amazing how sometimes we don't learn from our mistakes. It's amazing how sometimes we can repeat those things over and over again. Now, things with Egypt started out just fine <coughs> way back in the beginning of Genesis. You know, it was, it was Joseph's brother that sold him into slavery and that he ended up in Pharaoh's court. And through his work in Pharaoh's court, he was able to, to gain influence. And with that influence, when his family needed help, he was able to set them up in, in Egypt and they were able to have all that they did and they, they began to thrive and they began to, to prosper. And then Joseph passes away. The other leaders passes away. Pharaoh passes away. And we begin with this one passage from Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, that says, A new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. And so what happens? The Israelites are turned into slaves. And the labor that they are called to do becomes heavier and heavier and heavier until Moses finally comes and, and rescues the Israelites and takes them away to the promised land. <coughs> and the cycle continues over and over and over again. See, God's word through Isaiah for Israel was that God was calling them 
and telling them where it was they needed to go. It, it was a listening posture that God was telling the Israelites that they need to follow and they needed to hear. It, it is recommended or rec reconciled to what a shepherd would do. When a shepherd would, would send out the flock, the shepherd wasn't there in the midst of them, but the shepherd was there behind the sheep calling them and telling them, this is the way you need to go. Go right, go left. They would yell, and the sheep would know exactly where they would have to go because of their shepherd's flock. I'll have to admit that there are times where I am more like the Israelites, like I want to think. There are times where I go, I, I am, I'm a very obedient follower of Jesus, but then whenever I look at my life, I realize that I'm easily swayed to go one way or another. And those moments that we're easily swayed are when we are being pressured by, by the noise that the world comes and gives to us. Pressure to, to do what the world says is best and not what God calls us to be. It's, it's a matter of influence. And thinking about which influence we as followers of Jesus Christ are going to follow. St. Ignatius of, Lo of Loyola, he said it this way, good influence provides courage and strength and produces peace and a greater feeling of love while choices influenced by evil can be counted on to cause regret, sadness, and disquiet. When I think about my life, especially in my early 20s, I thought in my mind, oh yeah, I, I'm a big follower of Jesus. I, I, I want to do exactly what he tells me to do, but then I look at my actions and the way that I live my life and I go, I really didn't follow Jesus like I said I wanted to. See, whenever I was in early, early uh, middle school or early high school, I, I had a call to ministry and I ran as far away from that as I can. And then I started to go, you know, I'm just going to do some things that maybe will please God here or there, but I'm still going to have control over my own life. And I am going to allow what I want to do to be the choice of, of what I do. So instead of going into ministry, I decided to go into music education. And I enjoyed my years as a music educator, but, you know, I was a horrible music educator. <laughs> I love music, I love to sing, I love the kids that I work with, but man, when it came to doing the day-to-day -day routine stuff that you had to do at a school, I was horrible at it. Even got to the point where doing the grade cards, I would try to find the shortest way to finish up my grading period just because nobody cared about what you got as a music grade. As long as you got the A for participation, that's all you needed to do. But I realized that my shortcuts, my undertakings, and my undercutting what I was supposed to do wasn't only robbing myself of the joy of helping students learn, it was robbing them from an education that they deserved. 
So I finally answered my call to ministry and, 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 and grew into what it was that God wanted me to do. And it took time for me to do that because I finally had to listen. And, and through listening, I realized that the voice of God is available for us to hear in the midst of a very loud world telling us to do something different. So how do we hear these promises of God? Well, well, the first thing we do, we have to realize that what God has for us are promises. You heard me use a word earlier when I was talking about the, the vicious cycle, the, how they were uh, disobedient to the covenant that God had given to them. Covenant, another way to talk about a covenant, that it is a promise that, that the Israelites were given to know that God was with them, that God was for them, that God desired something for the Israelites to be set apart, if you will, to be, to be lifted up so that they may see God in their midst. You may be familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11. That reminds us that we know that God has the plans for us, plans to prosper and not to harm, plans to give us hope and a future. These are the promises that, that we have that God sets apart for us, knowing that if we follow his covenant and follow his ways, he will guide us and lead us. But there is a bigger promise that we have while we're talking about the way. And that's the promise of the love and grace of Jesus Christ, who he himself in John 14, 8 said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. When we understand that, that all we need all we should desire is what God gives us and God will guide us in our paths and in our ways that when we live within those promises, we can see God active and moving in our lives. And the way that we see God active and moving in our lives is when we take a look at the passions that God has given us. God has given each and every one of us in this sanctuary God-given passions for us to use for God's service. Pastor Frederick, uh, Frederick Buechner once said that the place that God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. What would it look like if we were to start looking at how we do ministries individually and corporately with that mindset in mind. What would it look like if we were to start saying, God, you have, you have given me grace. You have given me talents. You have given me abilities to, to use what I have for, for your service. Where in Royce City is there hurt that I could use my gifts to serve? Where in Royce City could I use the talents that you have given me to, to be a blessing for others? Because, my friends, I know, I know that you are called for something specific to be 
in ministry to God and in Christ's church. And, and we are then called to use those gifts so others may see him through us. It, it is a gift, a gift to be used, a gift to be nurtured, a gift to be shared in a way so that the promises that we have in Christ are shared with others. And I can't think of a better way to share the promises of God than when we surround ourselves with supported, supportive people. There's a saying that uh, I'm starting to see pop up again. It's, it's a take off of an old African uh, saying that says it takes a village to raise a child, which I believe that. I, I, I believe it takes us as a church. That's why I love young disciples' time here, even though they can't think of a certain favorite book that they have or, or, or the little fun that they have down here and the fun that Miss Wanda is currently having with them up in the, uh, the media room. I, I love having children in the sanctuary because it takes us as a congregation to help them grow in the faith. It takes us as the body of Christ to, to help nurture kids in the way that they are to go. But I've seen a twist on this saying, and this saying goes like this, that it takes a village to support adults. I don't know about you, but I need support every now and then. I, I, I need to know that I have people that are, are surrounding me, praying for me caring for me. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 reminds us to encourage one another and to build each other up. The only way that we can do that is within community. We, we, we share and, and take time to grow with one another. You may have heard me talk about banding before. Banding is a old Wesleyan Methodist way of people helping to support with one another. Banding is more than just a Sunday school class, which is really important. The, the, the banding is one of those things to use the old question that John Wesley would ask, how is it with your soul? Really? How is it with your soul? What, what are your struggles? What, what are your successes? And if you're really, really know the people that you are banding with, what, what, what are the sins you are dealing with today? Is there anything that you are hiding that, that should come to light? Banding can be a very scary thing because what you're saying is that I'm going to open myself up to be vulnerable for others. I, I, I'm going to allow the, the, the cover that I place over me to be open so others can see what's really inside of me. I have a couple of bands myself that, that we meet uh, every week, either on Mondays or a pastor group that I meet with on, on Thursdays. And the times that we have together are, are, are a joyful time. But when times get rough and hard, which they do, I can count on them to be a source of strength. 
a, a source of support, a, a, a source of, of letting them in to, to help me grow, to help support me in my journey as a follower of Jesus. So I am currently praying for you right now. And that prayer is that you find <coughs> a couple of people that you could band with. You know, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a best friend. Maybe it's uh, somebody at work. Somebody that you can get together with and you can say, look, I need somebody to ask me, how is it with my soul? And then when we get to July, I, I normally uh, let all of the uh, classes take uh, four weeks off and I'll teach a class uh, in Wesley Hall for everybody to come and gather. We're going to talk about what does it mean to have this, this covenant discipleship and, and how can that encourage us to listen from the right or from the left. That voice that comes behind us saying, this is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. Allow my love and grace to fill you so that you can be a blessing for others. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you that you have given us the way. You have given us the truth and you have given us the life. And as we continue to grow in that way, guide us and lead us. And help us to find someone that we can share what's going on inside of us so that we may grow and listen to your word through others as we humbly serve you. And we pray this in the name of the one who loves us and cares for us, Jesus our Lord. Amen.